If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 John chapter 4. This will be number, sermon number 28 concerning the Word of Life. He says in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Our Father, bless us now as we look into Thy Word. May You open up the Scriptures to our hearts and minds. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This section here is rich and showing the love of God. And the love of God is in His church, His congregation, and it's in each one of our lives if we've been born again. And as I said before, as you, if you read uh, the Gospel of John, and you're reading First John, they're similar in teaching. Now I'm going to go over a few verses to give you a comparison of John's Gospel with the first epistle of John. In 1 John 1, 4, it says, And these things write with me unto you, that your joy may be full. John's saying, I'm writing this epistle for one purpose, that your joy may be full. Amen. You know, one of the psalmists prayed that his cup could run over. I want my cup to run over. In John 16, 24, it says this, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. He says, Ask and you shall receive that what? That your joy may be full. See where John heard that? And he's echoing that in his teaching in 1 John. 1 John 2.11 says, But he that hateth his brother is in darkness. That means habitually hating. It's not just getting angry, but they hate habitually their brother, whom they confess to their brother, and walketh in darkness habitually, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Beloved, sin will blind us from reality. John says in John 12, 35, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you, because he was the light. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. The parallel there is between light and darkness. And John is bringing it out in the Gospel of John, also in the Epistle of John. First John 3, 5, it says, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Here's another purpose of Christ being manifested, to take away our sins. He says in John 8, 46, Which of you convinceth me of sin? And I say the truth, why do you not believe me? There was no sin in Christ, so they could not convict him of sin. 1 John 3, 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. In other words, a person who's a bishop committing sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, he might destroy the works of the devil. And I want to say this to each one of us. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. We should not follow the devil. 
in his ways because that's why Jesus came to destroy Brother Dave. He came to destroy the works of the devil. John 8, 44, the Lord says, You of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is the liar and the father of it. All sin originated with the devil. He's the author. First John 3.13 says, Marvel not, brethren, if the world hates you. You can be sure of one thing. If you live for Christ, and you live under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, glorifying Christ, the world will hate you. And if it doesn't hate us, it's because we're not showing Christ in our life. John fifteen eighteen says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus says, If they hated me, they'll hate you. 1 John 5, 20 says, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. All to know Jesus. As it says in John 17, 3, a parallel passage, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Do we know God this morning? It's a gift of God. In the heart, in your soul, not just in your head. As the truth went down to your heart and to your soul, so it affects the way you talk, the way you live, the way you act. That was just a parallel, a few verses. The first verse we're going to look at this morning is verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God or is out of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. You cannot love Without God. Because love is of God. The source of love is God. It says in 1 John 4, 19, we love Him because He first loved us. Now who loved first? He loved us and chose us, elected us, called us, and to have fellowship with Him because what? He first loved us. Verse 14 of chapter 3 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. There's an evidence that we've been born again if we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now you must remember when we say well, we love the brother, he said if, you love, if we love one another, if we love God, we should do what? Keep his commandments. If we're not keeping his commandments, we're not showing love to God or to each other. We have to always remind ourselves that love will sacrifice itself for the object of its love, which is Christ. First John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of and knoweth God. And First John 4, 20 says, If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? You know, that verse speaks to, uh, speaks a commentary to us. If we say we love one another, but we don't love, love God, and we say we love God, but we can't love each other, there's something wrong with that. 
You hadn't seen God, but you say you love Him. You've seen your brother and you, and you don't love Him. Love, the love that comes from God, would give us love for each other. One of the greatest gifts that God has given you and I is love. What is it that every individual longs for? Is to be loved. And there's a lot of different loves in, this, in, in, in life. There's the love of passion. That's not the love of God. It's a love of passion. And we're all born with that. Then there's the love, uh, there's the love of God, which is shed abroad in our hearts that we're going to see by the Holy Spirit. There's difference between the love of passion and the love of God. You can have one and not have the other. So we need to be cautious when we think about love. Love is uh, not so much a feeling as it is a willingness to submit to the one you love, to give yourself to, for someone. God so loved the world, he gave. How do we know God loved us? He gave his son to die in our place. How do we know that we love each other? By the things that we do for each other. Not by just saying it, not by some fuzzy feeling, oh, I feel so in love. That's deceitful. Satan works in the realm of this, of the feelings and emotions. I cannot express that too often. Satan works in the realm of passion. He confuses people thinking they're in love when it's strictly passion. The love of God will love a person in spite of what they are. Now, husband and wife relationship, there may be some things in the husband that's not pleasant to Love, but the wife will love her husband in spite of who he is or what he is. And same thing the other way. It works the other way too with the wife. So love is, is a commitment to two people together. And it has to be based upon God's word. And it has to be based upon commitment to Christ. A strong marriage has a strong home which has a strong devotion to God. If your home is not devoted to God, you don't, your home is split already. Beloved, when you leave God out of a home, there is no home. He's the one that instituted the home. He's the one that instituted us to love one another. He's the one that's made the family. And the family is to be loved by the father and mother who love God. And they share that love with their children. And then they share it with their children, with their children. God works through the home. But also to Satan. Satan wants to destroy the home. Next we see in 1 John 5, 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. In other words, we love God's children who are born again. We love them. Next thought is because he first loved us, as we see here. We love him in return. Are we showing love to God? How do we love God? By keeping his commandments for the day. Jesus said, if a man love me, he will keep my commandments. He will. Not maybe, he will. So if we're not keeping his commandments, what are we saying verbally? We're saying, I don't love the Lord because I'm not obeying him. Now we don't say that verbally, but we say it by the how we live. And you know something, beloved, 
Can you compare any love to the love of Christ? Has any person in this world loved you and I like Jesus has? He laid down his life for us. He went to Calvary and suffered agony of hell, the wrath of God, because he loved us. And isn't it reasonable service that we present ourselves, our bodies, a living sacrifice back to him? Thank you, Lord, for loving me. I'm giving you my all in all. I want to be yours 100%. And there's no greater fellowship on this side of eternity than the fellowship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and your own soul. Do you long for that fellowship with God? There's nothing greater. Because He still loves us. It says in 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. He still loves us in spite of what I am. This is God's God's love is so amazing. He loves you and I in in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our wickedness, in spite of our ungodliness, in spite of our rebellion against His Word. He still loves us. And the thing about it, though, it says, whom He loves, He chastens every son and daughter, and He would chasten us and bring us back. I believe that with all my heart. You can get away from God. You can stop obeying God. But I'll tell you something. God would deal with you and I as sons and daughters, and he will bring you back. And it may be a hard road back. God can speak many ways to our hearts. He can take that away from you which you love the most. He can take it away in a moment, in a flash. He can be gone. See, the problem with you and I, we don't fear God like we should. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, do we fear God this morning? If we feared God, we'd fear going against His known will. We'd fear when His hand comes upon us, it can be very severe. Because He loves us. He won't let us get away with sin. Not me, not you, not any of us. And as we say these things, we say these things because God wants us to know He loves us. He loves us. Romans 5a says, But God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, think about this, while we were yet sinners, before we ever come to know Christ, Christ died for us. He died for us when we were still dead in trespasses and sins. Wicked, ungodly, without hope and without God in this world. That was all our conditions. And yet Christ died for us knowing what condition we were in. Why? Because He loved us. He loved us. And oh, to turn our back upon Jesus and refuse to follow Him, to sin against such love. And I'll say this, we're all guilty. It's sometimes in our life. There's no one here can say, I'm free from that. We're all guilty. But by the grace of God, I pray if any of us this morning is in that condition, that we turn from it and go back to Jesus. Jesus said, he's the door's heart knocking at your heart's door. Now, he's talking about children of God there. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about his people. I'm at your heart's door knocking. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to bring you back to me. 
and how that you're that wandering sheep, that one ninety and nine. He went back and got that one sheep and brought it back to the fold. Why? Because he loves us. He wants to share his glory, his fellowship, his love. He wants to manifest that to our hearts so that we can say with God, God is my all in all. He committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a blessing. What a blessing that is, beloved. That's, that's beyond words. In verse 32 of chapter 8, he said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Is God withholding anything from you that you need? No. But see, Satan always has a substitute. He'll give you a substitute. Oh, here's what you need right here. This will solve all your problems. This will give you everything you need. But it's a lie. Remember, he's a father of lies. And everything he brings into your life will destroy you. It's hard sometimes to have patience and wait on the Lord for things. How shall we not with him freely give us all things? Anything we need as far as our Christian life, God is freely give it to us. Be thankful for that. Ephesians 5, 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Don't forget, Jesus was a sacrifice. He was an offering, not for himself, but for you and me. He died and was beaten and was shed his blood and thorns were put in his head and they beat him with a cat of nine tails until blood was coming out of his back. His flesh was open and he did that as an offering for you and me. You know, Paul says, the love of Christ constrains me. Oh, beloved, I pray that that's what draws you and I closer to God. But we look at that sacrifice, being sacrificed in my place, sacrificed for me. And you, oh, Father, draw us with that love. Draw us to Christ. As it says in Hebrews, almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. That's why Jesus poured out his blood on the cross, because without shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Peter says it like this. In 1 Peter 2.21, he says, For even here and too were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. We should be willing to suffer for one another. Why? Because we love one another. How much are we willing to suffer for the body of Christ or for our, our brothers and sisters in this congregation? Do we take time to pray one for another? Do we take time to encourage one another? Do we take time to say, what can I bring to the congregation to help build them up or strengthen the congregation where I go? And I'll say to this to you, each one of you who are not a member of a congregation, you need to be a member of a congregation if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, you may get tired of hearing me saying this, but I'll say this until I drop dead. 
Every believer should be a member of the Lord's church. We should be serving God in a local congregation that you can sing praises to God in the midst of the church. The Lord is here this morning and be a member of that church. Follow Him in baptism. Come to congregation. Be faithful and waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. So when He comes, you can hear Him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. But the devil's going to tell you, Oh, you don't need to join the church. You don't need to join the church. He'll tell you that. He'll whisper, you know, you can't live that, you can't live that, uh, that style of life. Just stay where you're at. You go to church, hear the sermon, and go home. That's what the devil wants. What does God want? Jesus said to believers, follow thou me, brother David. Follow me. And you need to listen, ask yourself, am I willing to follow Jesus Christ? He did, he died for me. I believe he died for me. I should be willing to go and, co- and be a member of a congregation of the Lord and follow him and wait for his coming. Beloved, that's what believers should do that are not members of the Lord's church. Follow the Lord. The first act of love is obedience, isn't it? And the first act of obedience is to be immersed in water, showing yourself identify with Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. And I submit myself to a congregation to join and be a member of a local congregation. I pray that you'll take this seriously. These are just not words coming out of my mouth. It's coming from my heart. There are some here I pray for you weekly that God would touch your heart to be a member of the congregation. Now, I only say that because it's needful for your life. You need to think about those things. This is what God wants for your life. This is what God is bringing you here. He's given you the desire to come here this morning. What's the purpose of God bringing you here to hear the message? God wants you to follow Him. The Lord wants you to be your master. Overall, He wants you to submit to His Lordship. And He'll be your King of kings and Lord of lords in your life. Secondly, because He commands us. In 1 John 3, 23, it says, And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave His commandment. In John 13, 34, listen to what He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you love one another. Also love one another. He said, I want you to love one another the same way I loved you. And that's a great command, that I'm to love Brother Roger as much as Christ loved me. That's a big command. Only by the Holy Spirit can I do that. And only the Holy Spirit can you do that. Verse 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. Where there's no love, there's no discipleship. Where there's no love, there's no obedience to Christ. You take away love, then there's nothing left. Because then there's no obedience. There's no God. There's nothing there in your life. It's just if you were without God and without hope in the world. In verse 12 of chapter 15, he said, And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He's emphasizing it over again. I think it's over 16 times the Holy Spirit brings forth that we should love one another. We're hard-headed. Human beings were hard-headed. But the Holy Spirit is driving the point home. We are to love one another. 
Not only are we to love one another, you're to love each other as Christ loved you. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Then we come down to verse, chapter 4, verse 13 of 1 John. Hereby know we that we dwell in him while he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. How do we know that he dwells us? Because of the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are sons of God and children of God. Because he come to dwell within us. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And there's an evidence again. Here's another evidence. How do I know God dwells in me? Because we love one another. No man has seen God at any time. No one in this congregation has seen God with their physical eye. Spiritual eye, yes. Spiritually. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. As we love each other, his love is being matured in us and where that love is being shed abroad in the congregation. Ephesians 3.17 said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. It's not by feelings all the time. You know, you walk around and say, I just don't feel like Christ is in my heart. What are you going by? I'm going by feelings. I don't feel it. God said the just shall live by faith. Not by feelings. Now God can work in feelings, don't misunderstand me, but we're to live by faith. God said it, and it's whether you feel it or don't feel it, God dwells in you because you're loving one another. He's there whether you have that feeling or not. Now there's times that we have that joy unspeakable and full of glory, but we don't have that all the time. But there's times when you're reading or you're studying or you're praying, you burden, your heart is burdened for a loved one, and God manifests His love to you so real, so strong, that there's no doubt in your mind. And there's times when you have to accept it by faith. The Lord indwells me and the Lord is in my life, and by faith I walk on that. I trust His Word. He said He'd never leave me. He said He'd never forsake me. So I may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. That's a wonderful verse to think about because I need the Lord. We sang that song, I need thee every hour. I need him every second. And I know most of you do too. Makes you realize when Jesus says, without me you can do nothing. Beloved, in your own strength you cannot overcome your problems. I cannot overcome my problems. We can only overcome as God is working in us. As he operates in us, he strengthens our faith. He strengthens our hearts. He strengthens our minds. He gives us this word. He'll bring that word to our hearts. We believe that word. And that gives us the victory. The first that Dave quoted this morning. What is this? It overcometh the world. Even our faith. Faith in God's word. The foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That should be your goal and my goal. What? To depart from sin. Sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. Your sins and my sins. We need to learn to hate sin. You know, this fallen nature we carry with us. And we have a new nature within us. Paul says, abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. We need to, by God's grace, hate sin that's within us. I long for the day when I'll be 
this sinful nature will be separated from me and it will no longer have any influence over me. That will be heaven in itself. No sinfulness, no sinful nature. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now what are you going to be rooted and grounded in? Love. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Beloved, we just did that a few moments ago. We sung hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts. Who do we singing to? To the Lord. And admonishing one another by singing the truth. That's why... As Brother Day brought out, Brother Halfhill says that songs are so important because if we preach, if we sing a lie, it's still a lie. We want to sing verses that are true and songs that reflect the truth as it is in Jesus. Not to make us feel good, but to preach the truth, sing the truth. Because we have passed from death unto life. Oh, what a beautiful thought. We have passed from death unto life. In 3.14, we know that we have passed from death unto life. You were dead, you passed unto life. Because we love the brethren. Oh, here's the call, because we love the brethren. Here's the evidence. How do I know that I passed from death unto life? Because I love the family of God. I love the family of God. I'm willing to put them first in my life. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You can see the importance of that love. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Why there's no condemnation? Because we passed out of the realm of death, and we passed over to the realm of life. We've been born again by the Holy Spirit of God, Brother Roger. Quickened us. Romans 8.1 says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you're in Christ, you're walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Paul says to mortify the members of the flesh. Put them to death. And that's difficult to do at times. Without God's grace, we can't do it. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Beloved, he was the cursed of God. The Jews said he needs to die because he said he was the son of God. Crucify him. He's the curse of God in their eyes and in their thoughts. He was worthy of condemnation because he was the cursed of God. He hung on a tree. And he did bear the curse of God upon his soul and body because he loved you and I. He became the offering, a sacrifice that we might go free. That's why there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And Colossians 1.13 says, Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We were translated from darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son and He's the, 
He's the light of the world. Oh, beloved, we are in a different kingdom now. And if you're in that kingdom, don't you want to follow the king? Follow him. I pray that God has so burdened your heart, all of us, to follow Jesus Christ. Another thing we see is being, because uh, we no longer practice unrighteousness and we no longer hate our brothers as we did in the fallen flesh. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither is he that loveth not his brother. If we're practicing wickedness, we need to take note and ask ourselves the question, am I truly born again? This is true for everyone. We all should ask ourselves the question, am I truly a child of God if I'm living in known sin? Now, I'm not saying you're not a child of God, but we need to stop and ask ourselves that question. Say, Lord, speak to my heart and soul. Beloved, let us love one another. The exhortation in this is in the present tense. It's a continuous action. Let us be habitually loving one another. That should be our heart's desire daily is to love one another and to love God. How can you love one another if you don't love God? Because love is of God. See, we're helpless. I cannot love Carl the way I should if I don't love God. Because love comes from God and it comes through my heart to his heart. And without the love of God going in my heart, I don't have the ability to love. God has us where we should be. We depended upon him. For love is of God or love is out of God. All love is from God as a fountain. The Holy Ghost shed the love is the first fruit of the Spirit in our hearts. Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given us. And everyone that loveth is born of God, as we've seen before. God is light and God is love. And that's two things we see. God is the God of light. He shows us the way to walk. He's the God of love. He gives us the ability to walk in that path. We know God spiritually, experimentally, and habitually. Now, a lot of people have a head knowledge of Christ, but they don't know God spiritually. They can't love God with their soul, Brother Dave. That inner man is missing in them. They hear, they know about a Christ who was born in a manger. They know about a Christ who lived upon the earth. They know about a Christ who was crucified, but it's all head knowledge. But they don't know the Savior of their soul who brings them to repentance and confession. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Is that uh, publican spoke his breath, said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. They knew nothing of that evidence or that in their lives. They had never experienced salvation in the soul, in the heart of their being. And come to love God and see his love and feel that love in their heart. There's no price can be put on that. Then chapter 4, verse 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If you're not loving, you don't know God. He's connected. 
Knowing God is a spiritual knowledge and a heartfelt knowledge. And if you're not loving your brothers, you don't have the, the love of God in you. And it says in the tense, it's literally, they did not know God in their experience. Knoweth not God. That's a sad state to be, not to know God. For God is love. It's God's nature to love us, His people. The Spirit, He's light, and He's a consuming fire, the Bible says. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You cannot worship God without the Spirit. 1 John 1, 5 says, This then is the message which we've heard from Him and declare unto you that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. I mean, there's no sin. There's nothing in God. He's pure holiness. Then it says, God is a consuming fire. For our God is a consuming fire. That means that God can consume those things in your life and my life that's, that's not pleasing to Him through His chastisement. He can bring us to our knees one way or another. For the Lord thy God, Deuteronomy 4.24 is the quotation. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. When we put anything before God, God's jealous of that. He wants first place. Beloved, God will have first place, and He will deal with you and I as sons and daughters. And He will bring you to your knees like He did Jonah. And you'll cry out, save me, I'll perish. And the whale spit him out. God the jealous God. Have no other gods before me was what he told Israel. And in the New Testament he says the same things. You should be my people and I should be your God. You should have no other gods before me. God is only one true and living God. And him only should we serve. And when we put anything. Whether it be finances, money, or homes, or people, or th things, or pleasures. Before God, it becomes an idol. And then God says, I will deal with your idols. So we can't say we're free. We have to take inventory ourselves. And say, Lord, have I put anything before you in my life? And we all have to guard ourselves. Because remember, Paul says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. He's very clever. 1 John 4, 9 says, and this was manifested, the love, and this was manifest, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. He sent Christ into the world to give us what? Life. I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Did He fail? Did Christ come to give His people life and they don't have life? They're, he said, I've lost none. None except the son of perdition. He says, of all the ones that the Father gave me, I will raise it up, him up at the last day. I will give them life, eternal life. When he shall appear, who is our life? When Christ shall appear, who is our life? Then shall we appear with him in glory. We're looking forward to the day when we will be translated, ruptured up to be with the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We live through Him.
toward us. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Everything the Father did, He did it through Christ to show you and I how much He loved us. And that love is shed abroad in our hearts that we can love each other. Oh, beloved, it's, it's, it is so rich. It's so rich. There's so much more I can bring out of you. I'm going to leave, read a couple more verses. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. We're the beloved of the Lord. You know, David was loved of the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. He was the apple of his eye. We are beloved of the Lord. Think about that. You and I are the beloved of the Lord. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Beloved, as Dave said this morning, everything is under God's control. Salvation from the beginning until the end, from our beginning of our lives until the end of our lives, God has control of everything. And as he told Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? So no matter what's your problem, know one thing this morning. There's nothing in your life is too hard for the Lord that he can't take care of. And I'm great, grateful for that. We're going to stop at this point. I have more to say, but we'll stop at this point and uh, maybe say a few things in the beginning of the next, next time. Uh, but I hope you rejoice in the morning this morning, that you've been called and have been faithful and being able to know the love of God and share the love of God. Share it this afternoon when you go home. Every who you see first, share the love of God with them. Say, oh, the love of God is so wonderful. I just want to tell you how much I love you and thank God that he's put his love in my heart. May we pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. May you stir our hearts to obey you, Lord, in all things. I want to be able to say, Lord, Lord, truthfully, honestly, and submit to the Lordship of Christ, who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and be obedient to my Master and Lord in all things. Lord, help us all. We all have our weaknesses. We all have our downfalls. We all have our emotions and trials. And we know without your strength, we can do nothing. So bless us now. As we go our different ways, as we sing a closing hymn, may your grace be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Someone have a song in closing.